Go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to continue preaching messages, just trying some stuff to try to help the home out. And I wanted to read one verse where we get the text of our message and kind of where we're going with everything. But it says in Proverbs 14.26, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and His children shall have a place of refuge. His children shall have a place of refuge. One thing that everyone needs is a place of refuge. What is a place of refuge? It's a place where you can go and you can find some safety because there's there's battles out there. A refuge, uh, one way to picture it, you know, back in them old days, they'd have them battles and things and they would have uh, in the kingdoms behind walls, you know, it was a place of refuge for them. They had the walls, they had the guards on the walls. It was a place that was very well protected and they wouldn't have to worry so much about enemies coming. If they did come, they'd have plenty of warning. They had people on the walls keeping watch. They had them strong walls and the strong doors that would be difficult to get through. And it was a refuge, a place where they can feel safe. And I think that that right there is just something we kind of take for granted in this country. I mean, I don't think any of us in here, while we've been in America, have ever had to worry about attacks from foreign country. Now, Brother Sean, he was over in Iraq and he had to worry about stuff like that when he was over there. But in America, we've never really had to worry about foreign invasion. I mean, most of us feel pretty safe. There's parts of this country where they do have to worry about maybe you know drive-by shootings and things. And I thank the Lord around here, even it's been pretty safe. You don't hear a whole lot about that even though it occasionally does happen. But we do feel pretty safe. I don't feel like tonight when we go outside, we got to tell the kids to run to the van. Otherwise, they might get shot on the way out there and have to be careful which route we take home because uh, there might be, you know, we might get shot. We don't worry about those things. And that is huge. That is huge. But play, there are places out there that it's not like that. And they need a place of refuge, some place they can go, lay their head. Feel safe. And tonight I want to talk about making your home a refuge. And not just a refuge from a place of, you know, where you can be safe from the gunshots and things like that, but just a, a place that's a refuge from the spiritual attacks that are out there. Because while we're not, we don't have to worry about getting shot when we leave here, we do have to worry about some of the fiery darts of the devil that he throws at us. Uh, there are spiritual attacks that are taking place constantly. And we do need a place of refuge. I believe the church is a good place of refuge, a place where you can bring your family and you know you come here and hopefully uh, you're not going to be subjected to filthy language, you know, rock music, uh, you know, just worldliness. Sometimes you will face those things in church. But it's a place where spiritually you ought to be able to feel pretty safe. You can be built up, encouraged, but home needs to be that too. And God gives His children a place of refuge. And I think as parents, it's important that we give our children a place of refuge. And unfortunately though today, many homes are not places of refuge. They are, they can be pretty horrible places. And one of the things that happens as a result of home not being a refuge, teenagers, they can't not wait to get out of the house. 
And listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a young person that's growing up, that's looking forward to getting out and starting a life on their own, and that's a part of God's plan. And we'll talk about that uh, as uh, during this message. But most, a lot of times they're just leaving too early just because they want out bad. They want to, they want to escape. And there's a few places that I kind of want to compare many homes to that are places, these places are places that people just want to escape from. And many times, homes are those places. And for example, and I've never been in one of these places, but from what I understand, people that are there don't really want to be there very long. And that is a war zone. Okay, I've never been. I've never been, you know, fighting a battle anywhere. I've never been being shot at. I've never been in enemy territory where I had to worry about that. But I imagine being in a place like that would be kind of stressful. A place where there's this, you hear the bombs going off all the time. I remember when I was in Israel, it was kind of creepy because you saw soldiers everywhere, you know, carrying the machine guns and things around. You know, we weren't used to that being from America. About all we ever see on public is a police officer with his gun and with a pistol and a holster. That's about all we see. These guys are walking around carrying them right out in the open. And, we weren't used to seeing that. One thing that we would hear sometimes at night, you could hear what almost sounded like thunder way off in the distance because there was some fighting, a little bit of fighting going on in that time in, uh, I think, Lebanon. And we were pretty close to there. And you can kind of hear bombing things going on. Uh, sometimes you'd see fighter planes flying around. We weren't used to that over there. Made us look, you know, made us a little nervous, but I imagine if you were in a place where there was constant warfare going on, you're going to want to get out of there. And sometimes homes are war zones. Sometimes homes are places where there are constant battles taking place. And look at what. And because of that, people, the kids that are growing up in the war zones, just want to escape. And there's a good, and that's understandable because Proverbs 21 uh, says. In 21 verse 9, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. I love that term, brawling woman. I, I, I could start making a lot of jokes right now. <laughs> but hey, that's, I mean, this is a man talking here and he uses quite a bit of examples specifically with women. And we're not just blaming the women here, but uh, the verses I have are about women. But I mean, it's true. And you know what? I've been on the corner of our housetop. Not because my wife was fighting with me, but I've been up there before. And you know, it's not really a comfortable place. It's not some place I would prefer to sleep at night. But you know what? If there's a brawling woman in the house, you'd have more peace up there. You'd feel safer up there. And I'm telling you right now that it's just people don't want to be in a house where fighting is going on. It's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop. It also says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 24, it says it is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. So even if the house is big, well, you know, there's a lot of fighting in our house. We just need a bigger house. And then it'll, it'll be a little better. Let me tell you something. You get the woman angry, it's not a big enough house. <laughs> and it's not, it's, you're still going to be better. On the corner of the housetop. Two times. It basically says the same thing there in Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 21.19, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with the contentious and angry woman. 
Now, I've done some camping before, and I enjoy a little bit of camping, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to do it for very long. I mean, after I've slept on the ground at night before out in the woods, and it's kind of an adventurous thing to do. But you know what? Most time I'm out there thinking, man, I wish I was in my bed. I wish I was in my house. It's warmer in my house. It's more comfortable. Uh, the bathroom is a whole lot nicer than the trees. I mean, it's just you would rather be in the house. But if there's fighting going on, what I'm trying, where I'm trying to go with these verses is home supposed to be a refuge, but sometimes because there's so much fighting going on, the kids, they would rather be anywhere else than in that house. They would rather be in the wilderness and parents wonder, you know, I can't believe my kid, you know, my can't believe my daughter went and shacked up with that bum. She thought it would be better than being in a war zone. She thought it would be better than being in that house. They thought that uh, they would get more peace in that in that place. I mean, it's amazing the things that kids will run off to and often parents too, they're like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's wrong, and sometimes I just wonder, well, what was going on? In that house, and I'm not saying that it's always because of the parents, but sometimes I think it is. Proverbs 27:15 says, "A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike." A continual dropping. I think of the Chinese water torture. It'll just it'll drive you crazy. And sometimes they've been going through these things for years and just listening to the same fights for years. And it's a war zone. I mean, and there's, I want to escape. I want to get out of here. Sometimes parents will try to drag their kids into the battle with them. You know, join my side and fight with your dad with me or fight with your mom with me. Horrible thing to do to a kid. And homes are supposed to be a refuge, not a war zone. But, but, not just the fighting sometimes is another reason. Another reason it's often a war zone in a home is because we invite the enemy into the home. We invite known enemies into the home. Go to Isaiah chapter 39. Isaiah chapter 39. I want to read it's a short chapter, but I want to read it to you. And I think it's interesting what happens here. And I really think Hezekiah's response here is really a, I think it's a terrible attitude. I really do. I I don't know if maybe I'm getting the wrong idea about what he's trying to say here, but I think what Hezekiah says here is absolutely terrible. But it says at the time, verse 1, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. This was after Hezekiah was about to die, and he asked God for 15 more years, and God gave it to him. And so Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. So we've got this Merod, I'm not even going to try to say his name, from Babylon. Okay, Babylon. A known enemy that if you read much of the major and minor prophets, it is prophecy about Babylon coming over and taking over Israel. It was Hezekiah knew. He had to have known if he had been listening to the prophets at all that Babylon was an enemy. That eventually 
God was going to use them to punish Israel for all their iniquity. But they go and they offer something nice to him. They do something nice to Hezekiah. Oh, Hezekiah gets all flattered and he invites this enemy into his house and he shows them, he lets them see everything that's in his house. And these people, they're just going to want it. They're seeing it. And they did. They wanted it. And then came Isaiah, the prophet unto King Hezekiah, and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. You know what? These people, they looked at it and it was years later before Babylon came, but they always remembered what was in the house of Hezekiah. I mean, you know what the king of Israel has? You ought to see all the gold and treasures. And at this time, they weren't ready to take over because God wasn't ready to pour His judgment out yet on them. God was being merciful to them. If they come at this time, they would have lost. And they did come a little while later and they didn't succeed. Um, but He showed them everything and they remembered what was in His house. And I wonder if that's one of the things that motivated them to keep wanting to come back. You think after it didn't work? Because first, they took over the northern kingdom and you'd think they'd have been like, you know what, just forget them. It's a little group. We can't handle them. Their God's too powerful. But they remembered what was in Hezekiah's house. And they wanted it. And then, notice in verse 7, after he tells them everything's going to get carried to Babylon, it says, And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And then, so he says, your sons are going to be the ones taken away. And then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. The way I take this is, hey, it's going to be okay in my days. My kids are going to be taken away. My kids are going to be eunuchs in Babylon. They're going to be taken over. But not. it's not going to happen in my day. As long as things are peaceful in my time, I'm okay with it. And you know what? I got to thinking about that because one of the biggest enemies that we let in the home is just the filth and the junk on that television set. And parents, they will plant their kids in front of that for hours because at least I'll get some peace and quiet for a couple hours. Oh, really? So you're going to let them just corrupt and twist their minds and turn them into little weirdos. And as long as it keeps them quiet for a couple hours, you're okay with that? You don't care about they're going to want to try all that stuff that they've been watching on the television? Boy, I mean, if you're, you've got to watch, monitor that stuff so carefully these days. I mean, every time I even think about getting some of that stuff, a satellite or something, I will see some of it on TV and the commercials that are out there and the stuff that they're shoving down kids' throats and I'm just like, no. <laughs> Absolutely no. I have not. My kids are not going to watch that. That will twist their minds and make them into little weirdos. There's just no way. And yet, but at the same time, the home that's supposed to be a refuge, much of the things that are corrupting the minds of children, they come from things that they're seeing inside the home. 
We're allowing the enemy in the home. You're let you know the just the you know the video games, just the filth and the violence. You know, none of us want our kids to be out there hacking up people and shooting people up, and we don't want our kids to be one of those. But we'll let them play the video games where they are, where they're just massacring people. And but oh, it's okay, they're zombies. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but they do what they're doing. It's people too, and we wonder why they're just you know into the disgusting things that go on in the world. I mean, the music allow them to listen to. Yeah, I mean, just to that literally, I mean, just corrupts and twists the minds of people. The Internet, I'm telling you, boy, that is a very dangerous thing. While the Internet is a wonderful tool, that there are a lot of good things you can do, I'm telling you right now, giving a child free access to that stuff is dangerous. I mean, it is dangerous. Their minds could get corrupted so quick. And, and, and you all know that. You know what's out there. And, you know, kids need protection from that. They, need, they don't need that stuff. There's some things, that you, if they get exposed to it young enough, I mean, it will ruin them for life. And those enemies, they're in the home. And what's sad is all these things you get for kids now, I mean, they have internet access. I mean, you know, even the Nintendo DSs and things, they have where you can go on the internet on those things. I mean, thankfully they've got parental controls where you can block it where they can't get on there. And, uh, but, I mean, even iPods and things, uh, if they've got a Wi-Fi connection and you let them connect to that stuff, they can see just about any type of perversion that you can imagine. And just dangerous stuff. I mean, it's, it blows my mind the stories that you hear about young teenagers that are talking to perverts online, chatting, you know, meeting up with these weirdos in chat rooms and things. And, I, and the whole time I'm hearing about that, I'm thinking, why do these parents let them do that? Why would they allow them access to that? It just, it blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. We've got to protect from that. You know, the cell phones. You know, I've, I've heard, you know, you hear these stories all the time too about kids that are getting bullied and by their cell phone. Maybe people send them nasty text messages, sending them nasty pictures, uh, you know, saying things about them online. And I got, I have to ask myself, why don't they just shut the stupid cell phone off? Why don't they just block the numbers? I mean, we saw this program one time where a girl was getting, you know, cyber bullied and stuff. And she just, she just kept going online. Oh, look what they said about me. You know, crying and getting upset. You know, oh, look, you know, look at that. How about you quit looking at it? How about you just don't look? But if, for some reason, they've got to know. They've got to know what people are saying. And we've got to protect them from those things because there are, there are mean people out there. Well, you know, we, we've got to do something about the bullies. We've got to do, you know, they ought to be safe. And listen, I understand that bullying is a horrible thing to do. That and that I think I think murder is a terrible thing to do. I think you know just uh, raping things that go on is a horrible thing to do. And you know what? A young lady should be able to walk the streets at any time of the day or night and be safe. They have that right. However, that's just not reality. There are bad people out there that will take advantage, that will do something horrible. And it said, if I was to 
allow my wife to go walking down the streets in Chicago at night in certain places and something horrible happened to her, I could say, well, that's just terrible. You know, She had the right to be out there. Well, sure she did. My wife ought to be able to walk the streets and not have to worry about some pervert doing something horrible to her. Absolutely right. But they're out there. And they will take advantage if they get the opportunity and say, you know what? There's some places we just better not go. I ought to be able to let my kids get on the internet and they not find any trash on there at all because it just doesn't exist. But unfortunately, it does. Unfortunately, it's there. I ought to be able to go swimming in the ocean and not have to worry about getting eaten by a shark. But you know what? They're in there and they just might decide to eat me. And so you know what? I'm not going to go out there and demand my rights to the sharks. And I'm not going to go out there and demand my rights to all the creeps and the gangsters and things that are out there. I'm just going to protect myself. And I'm going to stay away from those things. I ought to be able to flip the channels through any TV station and not have to worry about hearing a cuss word, not have to worry about seeing any nudity. But that is just not reality. There are dangerous things out there. And yes, we ought to be able to do whatever we want and not have to worry about garbage. But garbage is everywhere. It's all over out there. And we have got to take steps to protect ourselves. And bringing all those things in the home, I mean, we are just asking for problems with our children. We're asking the enemy in and it's going to be a war zone. If they're listening to that kind of music, there's going to be a rebellious attitude. Rock music, it, there's something about it. It, it, it promotes rebellion. A lot of uh, I, there's a lot of things I could go into on that. We don't have time, but I'm telling you right now, if your kid is getting rebellious, your teenager is getting rebellious, you might want to find out what music they're listening to. That plays a huge part. You might want to find out what books they're reading. Find out what they're watching on television. Those kind of things play into it. And many times, it's things the parents got the kids. They bought them the CDs. They bought them the computers and all those things that literally destroyed their life. They thought they were being a great parent when they got them that computer and they got them hooked up with all the internet and all the websites that come with it and then felt like a victim when their kid killed themselves because of all the garbage they were subjected to on there. Got to protect them from that. So don't let your home be a war zone also because people just they want to escape from those. Another place that people like to escape from is prison. They want to escape from prison. Don't let your home be a prison. Psalms 142, verse 5 says, I cried unto the Lord and said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise Thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for Thou shalt deal bountifully with me. He said, you know what he prayed to God? Get me out of prison. When I went to detention home, one of the things that those kids would say all the time, you know, hey, if you ever trust in Christ, you say, well, I pray every day. Oh, well, what do you pray for? I pray to get out of here. Okay. Hey, they, they want out of jail, don't they? they? They want out of prison. You know why they put walls on prisons? Because everybody wants out. <laughs> Nobody wants to be there. They put the barbed wire up there and electric fences and guards with guns because they want out. Because prisons are not fun. And one of the things that homes can become, and listen, you do have to put some rules in sometimes that might make kids feel like they're in prison a little bit. Uh, there are, are definitely some things, and that you know that's another 
subject that we can get into. However, kids all ought to have the understanding. And one of the things that I think really uh, hurts a lot of young people is they feel like they will never be allowed to leave. Their parents are never going to let them go. And some parents are like that. Some parents, they do not want their kids ever to leave. Well, I just don't trust them. I, I can't, I'm not going to let them get a, my son get a job because I'm afraid he'll you know, get with the wrong crowd and mess up. And it's like, well, has he done something like that before? Well, no. So you're going to punish him for something he hasn't done. Well, when I was his age, I did this. Oh, really? So now you're going to punish your son for something you did when you were that age. You can't make home a prison. We're supposed to prepare our children to leave and cleave. Genesis 2.24 For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That's that's the plan. And listen, if you love your kids, and I hope you cry your eyes out when they leave the house. I hope they cry their eyes out when they're leaving the house. That's fine. That's that's wonderful. That's healthy. But it's also a part of life. It's it, that is the a part of the circle of life. It's a part of God's plan. I'm telling you right now. You know, your son gets married and starts having kids, and they're living in your house that whole time. There's going to start being some pretty ugly battles that are going to take place because. That's just not the way things are supposed to work, and they are supposed to leave. And I think if we were, if I think one of the, if we were training our children for that, if it was all, if they knew, if they knew from the get go, hey, eventually, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. I think it would help them a lot. But it's like some parents, I'm not gonna ever let you get the job. I'm never gonna let you leave the house. I'm not gonna let you get a driver's license. I'm, they don't let them do anything. And kids do. I'm telling, and it's like you know, it's only we're only a couple years away. For a 17, 18 year old, two years can seem like an eternity. I mean, it really, it really can. And they just feel like they're never going to be able to leave. Parents sometimes will be so controlling. And listen, if home is a happy place, they're not going to want to just run off with anybody. If home's a happy place. They're not gonna, you know, your daughter's not gonna want to run off with the bum. That's not gonna take care of her. She's not gonna do that. Your son's not gonna want to just run off and go, you know, live in some junk heap apartment with one of his buddies. He's not gonna, he's not gonna want that. I mean, it's amazing sometimes. You'll have a young person that are living at home that they don't have to pay rent. I mean, their parents are buying their food and everything for them. You know, they, they gotta, Pathetic job. They're not making hardly anything, but they will go and they will move out, and they will they will live in a dump heap and eat nothing but you know ramen noodles and ding dongs. When their mom was giving them home cooked meal, you know they could have had home cooked meal at home just because it was that unhappy at home, and they're fine with spending all their money to, I mean, basically. I would think live a pretty miserable existence, but they're out of their house. They're escaped from prison. It's like when somebody does escape from prison, somebody thinks, what are they thinking? They're going to have to be in the run all their life. They're always going to be looking over their shoulder and worried about the police, and they're not ever going to be able to have real freedom. But it's better than being in the joint. It's better than being around them prison guards. They would rather be on the run. And you know what? That's what them young people are doing out there. They're just on the run. And it's a whole lot better than the jail cell they were in before. 
And so it looks pretty bad now, but they feel like they have a little bit of freedom. But if it's a happy place, they're not they're not going to be that anxious to leave. You know, let them go out and get a job. Proverbs nineteen fifteen says, "Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger." You cannot expect, you know, your boys especially. I mean, you got young men; they've got energy, and that they have got to use. You know, ladies, the same thing. And if you just tell them, you know, buy them the new video game system and let that keep them out of trouble when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, they're going to end up being hungry one of these days. They're going to end up in a worse prison just because they're not going to know how to provide, they're not going to know how to work, not going to know how to hold a job. Let them go out and get a job. Let them go out and learn how to do something. Don't let them be idle. First Timothy 5.13 says, this is talking about women, and they, with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Why do they? Why do people get all caught up in gossip? Because they have nothing else to do. They have nothing going on. If they were busy doing something, then they're going to be fine. It's like a lot of young people, you know, after they graduate high school. And parents, sometimes they're the cause of this. They they don't let them go out and get a job. They don't let them go off, you know, go to college. They don't let them do anything. Just sit at home and wait for God to reveal His will. Well, I can promise you this: it's not His will for them to be idle. Because if they're idle, they're going to learn to be tattlers and busybodies and speaking of things which they ought not. And it's a lot easier to do all that stuff now with the internet and all those other things. You can do that real easy and. They've got to be doing something. And let them get out there. So now they can, listen, young people, they can lose privileges and things. Okay, if you go and you let, you know, your son turns 16 years old and he gets a driver's license and the first thing he does when he goes out, he's out drag racing with somebody and gets a speed, gets in a rag or speeding ticket, you know, he's going to lose driving privileges for a while. Okay, if he goes out and gets a job and the first thing he does is, you know, he tells you he's going to work and he's blowing off work and he's out hanging out with his friends, they're going to lose some privileges real quick. Okay? But if they haven't done any of those things, then you can't punish them for it. Well, that's what I did. So? <laughs> then you should have got punished. Not him. Give them a chance and that let them have a little bit of freedom. Keep an eye on Don't give them too much. Watch and see how they use that freedom. If they do right with it, then they can earn more freedom. And you can start letting them do more and more when they, when they prove that they are trustworthy. And if they're doing right, commend them for it. And give them those extra privileges. I know my parents, I feel like I had quite a few privileges and they gave me quite a bit of freedom when I was growing up, but I also wasn't doing anything behind their back. And I know, I know my dad, if I would have been doing stuff behind his back I wasn't supposed to do, I mean, man, he'd have put me behind bars real quick. And it wouldn't have been fun. And I didn't want to lose those privileges that I had. I'd worked too hard to earn them. I could have thrown it away real quick. So, you know, don't let, don't make your home a prison. Let them know one of these days they're going to be out doing their own thing. And hopefully, it'll be uh, so hopefully there will be some tears shed.
on, on both ends. That both of you won't be like, finally. Alright, you know, that's that's not the goal. Alright, and then the last one, another place that they want to escape from is and I, I didn't know how to word this exactly, but I guess for those of us that are adults, don't let it be a job or like a factory. Or for kids, don't let it be a school, which is tough because our kids homeschool. But I mean think about I got I was thinking about this Friday, you know, when I was at work, it was we had a long week. And we had a really long day Friday, and it was late, and everybody just wanted to go home. I mean, we just wanted to go home, but we were not supposed to leave until all the work's done, and we just wanted out of there. Just especially when you're in the freezer. And I, I, I named the place the torture chamber because I mean it's just it, it's cold, and you just want to leave. You want to get out of there, and you know what? I, I wanted I wanted to go home. I wanted to go to my refuge into my house where it's warm and where I don't have to work so hard and where I can, where I can actually relax and have some peace. I, I, I wanted that bed and that's what everybody else wants while they're there. But sometimes... And that, listen, there's definitely work to do around the house. But you know what? There needs to be a time for some rest and relaxation. There needs to be some time where you can just kick back in the house and have a little bit of fun. And... Enjoy yourself and enjoy each other. You, you need to have that. Said you know, kids. Said our kids. They got a homeschool, so that makes it tough because kids want to escape from school. I mean, they just can't wait. You know, they're watching that clock. They're watching until for three o'clock or three thirty, just waiting for the bell to ring so they can get out of there. And where do they want to go? They want to go home. They want to get out of school. It's a lot of work. And you know, if you do have situations like that where you're homeschooling, you need to have a time. You need to have a set time so they can have. Something to look forward to. Hey, after this time, I don't have to be doing this anymore. I, I can have some fun. I can enjoy myself a little bit. But some homes are just constant sweatshops, I guess you could say. And you know what? There's work to do and it's fine for them to work hard, but they need to be able to rest. They, you know, Go ahead and give them chores. Give them something to do. But you know what? Make it early in the day. Make it something early in the day. You know, Let the evenings have a time that they know that, hey, this is a time where we can have some fun. We can play our games. We can play outside, run around, have a good time. You need that. They need that. Everybody needs that. A time to relax. You know, don't make them provide for themselves too early. Second Corinthians 12.14 says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. It's the parents' job to take care of the children. And you know, and listen, I'm not saying this is completely bad. You know, after I'm, you know, after your kids get to a certain age, uh, you know, especially after they get a job, you know, hey, it's okay. Say, so, hey, you got a job. You know, you go buy this. So you go buy that. But you know, some parents, they get. I've known some parents that have gotten pretty crazy with charging their kids rent and making them pay all the bills and things. And one of the reasons they don't want them to leave the home, they're almost making money off their kids. And that's just not really the way that God set it up. And the problem with you doing that is pretty soon they're going to figure out, if they're paying all the bills in the house, pretty soon they're going to figure out, you know what? I'm paying all the bills and I'm living under their rules. Why don't I just start paying my own bills and I can live under my rules? And guess what they're going to do as soon as they hit 18? I'm gone. 
And I'm paying. I'm just, and then I can do my own thing. Don't I? I don't recommend that. So I, I think I think it's it's biblical. There's other verses we could look at that parents are supposed to help the children financially. It's parents that are supposed to leave the inheritance to the children. You know, there was a day and a time in our country, you know, back when people actually, you know, owned land and had farms and things that they were trying to build those things up so they could have something to pass on to their children. And their the goal was for their children to start out with more than what they started out with. And then their children start out with more than what they started out with. But now, we are all controlled by consumerism and commercials and everything. And we spend everything we get and a whole lot more. And if most, you know, most inheritance these days are a whole lot of debt. And it's because that, that's how, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. Parents, they lay up for the children, not the other way around. And if you do that, if you put too much on them at a young age, that's just going to make them want to escape even earlier. And I don't think that's wise and I definitely don't think that's biblical. But eventually the kids are going to grow up and they're going to move on. But it needs to be in God's time. I'm not saying 18, boom, kids, you're out. 18, get out of here. No, no. it doesn't have to be 18. It might be, it might be later than that. It, uh, it's, it's God's time. It's different depending on different situations. But it eventually does need to happen. And when the time comes, the goal is if you've really been successful, when that time comes where they leave, the feeling will be a bittersweet one. You're going to be sad to see them go, but you're also going to be glad that they are grown up and they are fulfilling God's purpose for their life. Hey, I, you know, my kids, you know, Tommy, he's almost getting old enough where we can kind of. See that you know it's not going to be that long, really. And man, that's I'm you know I'm telling you right now. You know, sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, ah. you know, I'm not going to like it when I'm wanting to go on a vacation or something, and one of the kids isn't going to be able to come because maybe they're working a job or something like that. I got to start competing with those things. That's going to be kind of tough. And I just, I can't imagine going on a big trip with one of our kids not there. But eventually those things are going to start happening. And it's going to stink. But at the same time, that's part of life. And we'll get through it and be glad because they're fulfilling God's purpose. And then it won't be long after that and they're going to be starting their own stuff with their families. And I, But at the same time, I think so many times all we're doing is the parenting that's going on is just motivating them to want to get out as fast as they can and they're getting out before they're ready and they're getting out of the will of God because they're, they're trying to escape. They're not, they're not moving forward. They're trying to escape. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you're in prison, and I've heard of people that have tried escaping from prison when they only had a year or two left. You know, if you, the problem is you escape from prison a year early, you're going to be a fugitive for as long as you're free. Where for over a year, where if you'd have just waited a year, then you could have went and not had to worry. And young people sometimes, hey, you only got a year or two left. All right, just a year or two. Do your time, and and you'll be able to leave, and everything will be everything will be great. You won't have to feel like you're on the run. But because homes can be so horrible sometimes, they can't wait. 
They're going to get out of there, and it ends up they end up making a lot of mistakes that affect the rest of their life. Don't let that happen in your house. So let's, with that, let's stand together.